Emerging from the Denver Black Church Initiative in 2005, the Center for African American Health has been a longtime fixture on the Clayton College campus at Colorado Boulevard and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Drive. Now they're taking their next historic step in opening their new home at 33rd and Hudson, taking over the former Roots Elementary School. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Their annual health fair, the Destination Health Event, and the new building are real examples of the Center for African American Health's commitment and their focus to create health and mental health equity for the African American community while ensuring these families and individuals are strongly connected to a continuum of services. Setting the direction for the center is their executive director, Ms. Dietra Johnson. So, you know, we have a long history of working with seniors, which is really where the Aging Mastery Program comes in. Um, we still do our traditional diabetes self-management, diabetes prevention work, but we are now a new family resource center, which really means in addition to seniors, we're working on helping entire families. So we offer a parent education program for parents of children birth through age five. Okay. We also, in partnership, we've got some youth programs happening with an um, advocacy partner we work with. We just started, we just actually got a contract with the city of Denver to start providing life skills, job training support, and mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. Um, we're also doing some systems work around oral health and other services. And so really what that means is we're growing into a one-stop, so someone can come to us, and ideally we'll be able to have exactly what they need, but if not, we can help them know where to go and what resources they need. Yeah, yeah. And so it's it's very exciting just from the standpoint of, We've been talking a lot about the social determinants of health because your interaction with the health system, um, whether or not you can get to the doctor or you see a doctor, sure. is only about 10% of your health. But do you have access to healthy food? Do you have a place to live? Do you have a job? All those things are super critical to your health as well. More of a holistic approach then? Yes. Yeah. Okay. What are we finding about um, people of color in Denver? Are they becoming more health conscious now because there's so much stuff out there? Watch this, watch that, watch, wait, get this screening, get that screening. Are people of color in Denver really starting to, to really latch on to it? You know, I think it, it varies. It definitely varies with regard to generation, and it varies with regard to resources. By generation? You know, I've, I've run into a lot more um, millennials and folks in their 30s and 40s who are either vegan or really into acupuncture and really tapped into different ways to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're working multiple jobs, may not be driving a car, have limited resources, and live in, for instance, a food desert, you may want to eat healthy, but if it takes you two buses to get to a grocery store, what you want is kind of irrelevant. It's yeah. what are the resources around you. Mm-hmm. So I think it's both us trying to do best by ourselves but having access to resources that make it easier. Food desert. We have food deserts in Denver. We still do. We still do. So, and that I it, mean, okay. it's being worked defining on. Defining the term food desert. That just means a, what a a food store without a, not within reasonable range of access. Right. And so, when you talk to the health department, there's actually a, like an actual number of miles, which I don't have on the top of my head. But it's when, especially if you don't, let's say you don't own a car and you have to take a bus to get somewhere, what is the distance from where you live in your neighborhood from a true grocery store with healthy foods? And we still have areas um, that are considered food deserts. Now, interestingly enough, I was at a meeting um, in Chicago last year 
sure. um, at Sesame Street. And we were talking about healthy foods because it was really a fascinating process because mm-hmm. they talked to experts as they come up with new things to do for the kids. And I was talking to a professor from Chicago, University of Chicago, and I use the term food deserts. <clears throat> she said she doesn't believe in using food deserts. It's really food apartheid because a desert makes it seem like it's naturally occurring. Oh, this just happened. Where? Yeah. yeah. Um, she said, if you use apartheid, it's it's very deliberate. There's not investment in those communities. Now, it could be the grocery store chain deciding not to put it there. Yeah. But there are deliberate things that cause it to happen. But either way, either name you use, the fact still remains that, you know, I can be as healthy as I want to. But if I don't feel safe going outside, if I don't have access to a rec center or a walking path and I have to take, you know, two buses to get an orange, I might just go to that McDonald's or eat that bag of cookies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, switching gears real quick to uh, to the screening services and that you uh, have. Um, I know you're not a doctor, but are you seeing any upticks or increase in uh, one screening services maybe for diabetes over another these days, which gives an indication of how people are living? You know, I think the, the, and the nice thing about the center's history is we've always been there to be that connection between community and the different services that they need. Yeah. So whenever we offer a service, um, there's always great reception. So when it comes to access, sometimes it's a question of trust. Sometimes it's a question of being able to get into the doctor. Um, we had some data last year that, you know, because of the ACA, we experienced a huge leap in coverage. Okay, the ACA is the I'm Affordable sorry. Care Act. Yes. Okay. No. So a lot more of us had health insurance, but we still had high emergency room rates. And so when we looked into that, you can have insurance, but if you if you're working a job and you can't get to the doctor nine to five, yeah. you end up going to the emergency room. And that's when I discovered, um, at least in Denver, our car ownership rates are below half of what a white family might have. So suddenly, okay, I might be working a job where I can't take off. To get to the doctor, I've actually got to be on a bus. Yeah. So the odds of me going to a regular physician for something during work hours are slim. But yeah, I can probably make it to the emergency room later that day. And so it's it's another way that these social determinants really affect our desires and how healthy we can be and what we can access. And saying that, that means, you know... It, Everybody's running around saying about how low unemployment is, and then some others are saying, well, are the wages affordable? And listening to you say that some of the uh, clients and some of the people that you have contacted have to use uh, scheduled transit to, to get to a doctor, that kind of thing, that's, that says that maybe the low unemployment is an illusion because people can't uh, afford to live properly. You know, I think so, because of, especially in Metro Denver, where even housing is skyrocketing. Yeah. And so, yes, I may have a job, but is that job a job that allows me to be truly self-sufficient and sustain myself? Um, more often than not, I run into folks who are working multiple jobs. And this is actually all racist because yeah. so much yeah, is happening. Sure. But just saying that someone is employed is just the tip of the true answer. Yeah, yeah. You just opened a new building. After you've uh, been, been over at Clayton and Clayton campus for a very long time, and now you have a, a new space. Where's the space, and what else is it going to allow you to do? So we had been at Clayton campus um, since our inception, and there we had 8,000 square feet. Um, once we became a family resource center, I truly wanted to look around because we knew we were going to expand services. Yeah. 
um, last year there was an opportunity. Um, a charter school was closing, and so there was a really fascinating community process to identify who would be next in line for this um, beautiful new building. So we now have 21,000 square feet, two floors. Um, It had been kind of an open space classroom, so we're kind of converting it to more of a nonprofit office space. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll be in there. We hope to have a couple of tenants and um, health partners. So, you know, during the month of February, we always typically have our health fair. Right. The exciting thing is next year, 2021, we'll have such a large space that we can kind of decide, you know what? That health fair doesn't have to be a one-off, one day a year. Maybe we do something monthly. That also expands our partners because there are some partners like our friends with the mobile mammogram van. This year they couldn't make it only because of the date we had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so moving forward, we'll be able to say, you know, maybe once a month this partner comes for this screening. Or, you know, every Friday kids can come for an yeah. immunization. It's going to allow us to be not only offer more programs, but to be really flexible and responsive so that that itself is exciting well perhaps next year you could have the health fair there well you have enough inside space do you have enough parking i think we i think we will because it's kind of a constant flow yeah and it allows us the opportunity to talk to the rec center and the boys and girls club and the library to see maybe if it can be like our own health fair blog party like how how might we partner with them sure to open up our spaces on a Saturday to really kind of celebrate all aspects of the social determinants of health. Moving in had to be exciting when the van showed up and took all the desk there and and the vision is coming into play. What is the one thing you want the center to do? Oh, the one thing I want us to do, and we'll probably have all the pieces in place in the next few months, um, but it's exciting because we're very flexible and we offer – programs and services throughout the city. But I, I honestly, I want us to be that place where if any family, um, and this is very much along the lines of family resource centers, if a person, a family needs assistance, they know they can come to us. And even if we're not offering that particular program or service, they'll know that we can help them get to the next step. Okay. Get to the next step. Where is the new center located? 3350 Hudson street. 3350 Hudson Street. So you can take MLK over and make a left on Hudson and head north. There you go. Across the street from the post office. (laughs) Oh, that's even better. (laughs) I can get some stamps while I'm up there. Exactly. Oh, that is for sure. Um, You're still doing the outreaches with health and churches, which was the the centerpiece for the center when it began? You know what? We're we're revisiting the best way to do that. We do have um, kind of a, a... very loyal and active set of liaisons, um, which really warms my heart because many of them actually helped the founder start the program. So they're still actively involved um, with what we do and give us great wisdom. Now that we have this new building, I want to really revisit how can we partner with them in new and bigger ways. Maybe some of the programs that you're taking to the churches, you can have there at the center too and invite them in. Well, true, and we've always tried to have multiple we want to make any program we do easy for someone to get to. I know you just had the uh, the health fair. Are you finding a higher participation these days with uh, with men? Men becoming a little more conscious about their health and wanting to do something something about it because women have always showed up, but and went and men trying to get them there previously was always a challenge. Yeah, I think it's it's still a challenge on the one hand, 
men come and they're welcomed and they have a great time. But, you know, you know, especially with the prostate screening, it's still something we have to encourage folks to do. These days it's particularly challenging because it's actually challenging for us to find medical providers to do the screening because there have been a, like, a lot of false positives. And so there are some doctors that have just stopped. Like, we don't want to do this anymore. But our board decided that because our health disparity is so dramatically um, large, it makes more sense to us still do the screenings, but let men know, you know what? This is just the first step. Take this information. Talk to your doctor. Um, doesn't mean you have to do anything, because um, I think that's what, what's been happening. Folks had a false, false positive and just ran and had something done. Yeah. Versus, this is just the first step. Take this information. Talk to your doctor. Get some additional guidance and decide what it is you want to do. But I'd rather have them have that information than have none. Um, you know, I actually have a couple friends who recently passed away from it. And they were both men, one outside the country, one in. Yeah. And it really was um, thinking everything was okay, and it wasn't. And men, they were African-American. Men still don't want to deal with certain aspects of their health. True. But, but you know, I don't even want to make it gender-specific as well because there's still a challenge and a distrust for us with the medical system in general. Right. And that's why another thing we do at the center is – as much as important as our work is with individuals and families, we also are doing a lot of advocacy to have systems change so that hospitals kind of have folks more trained around racial bias. They're looking at how they can do better by all their citizens because these persistent health gaps that really lead to our excess death, they've got to stop. But we on our own, I, I can live as healthy as possible, but if I go to a health system that's not going to meet my needs... It's not going to matter if something happens. So health disparities among people of color are still high and the gap is still wide? Yep. Just about anything you think of, whether it's maternal health, diabetes, cardiovascular, blood pressure, prostate disease, a lot of the cancers. I do it this way, which is kind of unfortunate. The rule of thumb is we're at least we're dying at least three times as much. Wait a minute. I mean, this is 2020. We've got all the information out there. Uh, yeah, we have a varying degree of people that can access support facilities, but that should be seeing some closure somewhere. We should, but that underscores the fact that it's not the individual's responsibility. Yeah. There are systemic things going on that we have to address. Ms. Dietra Johnson, the executive director of the Center for African American Health, is our guest on this edition. We will continue to learn more from her on the services and support available from the center on our next. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Stay on your game. And we deeply appreciate you sharing a few moments of your valuable weekend with us.